Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Today, we wanted to talk about one of our firm's core values, which is communication. We communicate. So we want to communicate about communication. Yeah, that's uh, exactly. We are going to communicate today about communication. We have our core values written. They're on our website and they're on a wall in our office and in various (laughs) places. But communication is one of those that I think just seems obvious to people, but it's just so fundamental to everything we do. As lawyers, I would say it's fundamental to any business or any organization whatsoever. I would Com- say it's communicating fundamental to personal interaction, life. too, right? <laughs> to life as yeah. we know it, right? Miscommunication, sure. failure to communicate, right? 100%. Yeah. I guess it's fundamental to any relationship that you have, whether it's personal or business or otherwise. And I think as lawyers, if we focus it on lawyers, we have many different methods of communication but we also communicate in different ways to different people. We may The way we communicate to a judge is going to be different than how we communicate to each other or to mm-hmm. a client or to opposing counsel. Yeah, our job is to distill down information to convey a position, like you said, to varying audiences. And we have to, that's, that's kind of central to what we do. And we have to decide, I think, number one is, do you communicate, right? That's the first part. Right, which whether. Court, or whether to communicate <laughs> right. or not, right? Whether. And I'm always surprised, been doing this for a long time, as have you. I'm always surprised when either clients come to us or we're in a case and or in a matter and there's opposing counsel and there is no communication right. or very little communication. I'm, I'm really surprised by that. So I guess that is an issue, whether to communicate. How do you communicate? What's the method that you use? Because depending upon the issue, depending upon the individual or individuals you're communicating with, and depending upon number of different factors, like the method of communication matters. And so you mean like by email or phone? Yeah, or pick up writing, the phone. Right? Or nowadays it's video chat more so, right? That's taken on a life of its own. Or is it an email? Or is it a letter? God forbid you actually send Fax. paper. Yeah, no, <laughs> fax is dead. But do you send a letter, a, you know, paper. Do you send a handwritten note, which is always nice to receive these days? Right. Do you pick up the phone to call somebody or I guess text message? You know, it, there's varying methods to the communication oh, and then okay. what's contained in that communication. And to me, all of it is important and the methodology, we can talk about sort of that and what is contained in the communication is super important sure. in how we communicate, you know, like what's contained in, I shouldn't say how, what the is contained in yeah, what, the substance what you're actually sure. saying and sure. how you say it, right. So I agree with that. And I think if you go to the first one of those is whether you communicate, <laughs> I would, my answer would be always, right? I think it's almost always better to communicate. The only time I could think of, as you said that, when I wouldn't, when I might not want to, is sometimes... Strategically in litigation, we will not reach out to the other side because they may perceive it as a sign of weakness. But that's really only in very limited circumstances and it's very case specific. That's a very old school. And I subscribe to that in some instances, but I almost like to disarm it and jump out in front of it and just let someone else decide why I'm communicating with them as a sign of weakness. But you can convey, and that's communicate right. to them. How you communicate. Right. It's how you do it. And what you're communicating to them and conveying to them 
should come across as I'm not reaching out to you as a sign of weakness. I'm reaching out to you because I do think that we should communicate. And if you want to take it that way, well, that's up to you. Right. But I'm here conveying to you that this is not, I'm very confident in my position, but you know what? Our job is to communicate. And right. so if you tell me pound sand and you know, fine, then, then I can go back to my client with my head held high or, or we even tried. a judge and say, your honor, we reached out, we attempted to resolve the issue or to work through the issues. And, and we were just unable to do that. Right. Yeah. But at least you tried. You tried. And I agree. And I think you owe it to your client and to the court in the litigation context mm-hmm. to attempt to resolve really all disputes. And it's always in our clients' best interest, even when the clients, sometimes they don't think that. Mm -hmm. It's always in their best interest to resolve a dispute. And if it can be resolved by a phone call or a video conference or however, a mediation, whatever it may be, you should do that. Yeah, I mean, listen, are there times when like, hey, let's just stand silent for a period of time? Sure, I mean, there may be, but that doesn't mean I'm not communicating at all. It means that I've communicated in one form or fashion. And I'm just not going to continue unless there is reciprocal communication, right? right? Yeah. That yeah, we have, following up, following up, following right. up. I mean, I do it, you sure. know, probably to the annoyance of many, but that's our job. Sure. How would you feel if you hired a lawyer and you asked them, hey, have you reached out to the other side? Yeah, I sent an email about two weeks ago. And that's right. it? Yeah, that's it. Or I called and left a message and that was it. Yeah, I called and left no a message and haven't nothing. heard anything back. Right. <laughs> no, that doesn't work that way, right. you know, in my view. No, I agree. And I think you attempt to communicate as often as you can or as appropriate. The only times, you know, the, the only times as we were talking about where you maybe stand still is even in that standstill, it's likely after excessive communication. So if you've tried and tried and tried and you can't resolve it, then you stop. But I think reaching out to the other side, having a conversation more often than not, is productive. And the other side of this is also just talking to our clients. I think a lot of lawyers go wrong too, is they don't communicate enough with their own client. I know you've encountered it. We've encountered circumstances where opposing party receives a settlement offer, maybe from us, and they're not communicating it to their own client. They just reject it out of hand. And forgetting the ethical ramifications of that, which is obviously unethical to not communicate a settlement to your client. But I think any lawyer that doesn't keep their client informed and communicate honestly with their client is doing a disservice. Yeah. Obviously our method is to quite honestly, sometimes over communicate with a client and provide them with transparency and everything that what's our mantra here is anything that comes in or goes out of this firm goes to the client. Right. They should know what we're doing. Right. And until a client says, please stop sending me all (laughs) this stuff or telling me all this stuff, which I don't think I've ever had. Then we stop, right? But the idea is to just keep them informed. Obviously, and this is what the substance, we'll get to number three in the list, is what you say Mm -hmm. in the communication rather than just see attached, which, you know, that happens too. So I'm going to send my client a 60-page brief that has just been filed and I'm going to say see attached. Right. Or to me, (laughs) to us, like, or see, see attached order from the court. Granting a motion for summary judgment. Yeah, I'll call you. Is this good? Is this or, bad? Right. Or just see attached. You right. know, I, there's got to be more to that communication and maybe even a call in advance of sending, depending on what the news is, good or bad. To me, I think you have to pick up the phone and say, all right, listen, just got this ruling. I want to preview for you that 
it's a good or a bad or it's indifferent or whatever it is, I'm going to send it to you. I want you to read it. And then we can have a substantive conversation about it. But I just didn't want to send it to you cold. Right. Yeah. And especially if it's a 60 pager like that, I would even go so far as to direct them. Depending on if I'm sending it to the client, yeah. I'm going to direct them to here's, you don't need to read the whole thing because right. these are busy people. They have other lives and they're involved in litigation. But the point is you're going to guide them. You're not just going to send it to them and say, right. read this. No. And I meant more on the order of right. ruling. A ruling. You know, I would say take yeah. a, depending on how long the ruling is or, you know, whatever. But that's a, a brief. Call. I think that's a yeah, a brief, call. obviously, 60 page brief. Listen, they just filed this. this. Generally, here's the right. you know, the arguments they're making. Here's what our next move is. I suggest that you take a day or two if you want to absorb it and then we can have a call or whatever the timing right. is. And then give them the timing, right? Like if there's another deadline that's coming up as a result of that, you let them know in that communication, here's what we're going to do next. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it looks like we've shifted over to the third one, which is the substance of yeah. what you communicate. And I think it's obviously probably the most important one. Well, you don't get I, to three if you don't You don't get to three if one. you don't hit two, one and two. That's right. true. I think what we say to our clients is, to me, I think of the most effective communication is the one that anticipates the response or the question. So, try to anticipate what questions is the client going to have when you send that brief or order or whatever it is that you're going to send. So here's what I'm sending. Here's why it's important. This is the part I want you to read. This is what our plan is. It's exactly what you just outlined. But I think that outline is driven by what you anticipate are going to be the client's questions. Well, hopefully you've already, before the ruling has right. come in or go. before the briefing or before you file a motion or you've already communicated with the client about here's our what we're going to do, here's our strategy, here's the potential implications of that, here's the potential arguments and response. And so that nothing comes out of you know left field for them when it comes in and you say, hey, has we discussed previously and anticipated here's the arguments that they've asserted or, hey, there's a new argument they've asserted which wasn't anticipated. We're going to look into it and address it. And then here's the ruling, which, you know, we told you this was a, as we discussed, this was a potential outcome and here's the outcome. Yeah. You know, I I always like to draw medical analogies in our practice. To me, it's almost like a doctor sending you a message saying, oh, there's a tumor, period. And that's it. No explanation of what the risks are, what the plan is or whatever. If you got an email from a doctor saying, we found a tumor and no other, call me, you know, how would you feel? It's the same thing. If you get an order and a ruling in a case or a settlement, whatever it is, and you just send it to a client and say, see attached. Well, okay, what does this mean? What's, you know, what are the ramifications? And you're just unnecessarily sending someone potentially into a stressful environment where there are, and they've already likely to be stressed by being involved in litigation or insolvency or, you know, and people are stressed when they have to deal with lawyers. Yeah. I mean, listen, as natural as it seems to us to over-communicate with clients, I know that it's not necessarily the practice of uh, many lawyers. Many lawyers. Right. And again, it depends on the client too. It just depends. Or client contact. It's a, it's a major corporation. You have a particular contact at that corporation. Right. And so, but there should always be ongoing communication back and forth with the client. What becomes a little trickier and more strategic is communicating with opposing counsel, whether it's on a deal, whether it's in a litigation, in a bankruptcy, that to me becomes a little more difficult. Not that you don't communicate, you should communicate. It's the methodology, 
Yeah, it's and, more strategic. And what is contained in the communication. You know, my view is before things get contentious in any litigation is to pick up the phone and reach out to opposing counsel and have a conversation, a call, or, you know, maybe a video chat now. And just listen, we're going to litigate over the issues. Hopefully that's all we're going to have to fight over. Right. And we can maintain what we should maintain, which is civility between us and just deal with the issues at hand, no matter how contentious our clients might be. And try to get off on that footing with a particular lawyer that I don't know, if I don't know the lawyer on the other side, right? right. Or even if I do know the lawyer on their side, pick up the phone and say, hey, got another one and just move forward. Right. Well, um, I think you do, I mean, most of us do the same thing in the beginning of a case. We'll yeah. reach out to the opposing lawyer and introduce them ourselves yeah. if we don't know them. And if we do, then say hello again and just share your view of the case and how you expect to litigate it. Because as you said, our... Usually our clients in a litigation or in an insolvency are hostile to each other and some, not always, but oftentimes there's a dispute and that's led to litigation. That means they haven't been able to work it out. And oftentimes they either haven't communicated in a long time or there's a sense of distrust or misinformation, whatever you know we're having to overcome. But that doesn't exist between the lawyers. At least it shouldn't. You know We don't have the bad blood or the history that the clients have. And so it's... Hey, if you need courtesies, I'm going to extend them and I hope you'll do the same for me. And here's how I think the case goes. I hope we can get to a resolution. If you want to discuss a resolution, I'm prepared to or whenever I think I might be prepared to. But I think setting the tone like that is, is super helpful. Yeah, and I think we did a podcast a while ago on bulldog leaders and and why they're not, that may not be in the best interest of the client. And I think communication goes along with that, right? And that doesn't mean that we're giving away the farm. It doesn't mean that we're going to be soft in terms of advancing our clients' positions and being strategic. It just means that my job is not to make the lawyer on the other side's life miserable. That's not our job. Our job is to zealously represent our client, to advance the best interests of the client, and to right. try to get a result for the client, right. period. That's yeah. our job. And like you said, you give courtesies and you communicate when... When you, you know, can. When you can. Right, yeah. And if you can't, then you communicate that. Hey, right. I, right. I'm not going to be able to talk to you about this. I, right. I'm not going to be able to agree. Or, I will not be able to grant an extension on this one. And here's, here's why, why right. or if you can convey that. Right. But again, that's the communication instead of just saying no. Right. You know, the, the response like the tumor, one line, <laughs> one word email is, you know, can I have no, no, we don't agree. Right. Okay. Well, why? Right. Because by the way, that's going to be put before the judge. That's a great one. Yeah, you should, and not let's elaborate on that, right? You yeah. should assume that if you're communicating and writing yeah. with the opposing party, you know, I think it's your rule that is don't put it in writing if you don't want it to be on the front page of the paper, right? Front that's, page of the paper. You know, exactly. That's I mean, that goes not just for obviously the practice of law, but I've conveyed that to my children as well, which is on social media. If you're okay with it being on the front page of the paper, Right. Then send it. And then they say, well, what's the paper? What's the paper? <laughs> That's right. And I have to show them, you know, right. I have to go An buy a newspaper. paper. And, right. But yeah, I mean, if you're comfortable saying something in an email that you would say face-to-face to somebody and that you would be okay with it being on the front page of the paper or that the judge would read it, like you're okay with the judge seeing that, send it. Right. Because you should assume that it's going to be attached. Yeah. At some point, 
in a contentious case, right. you should assume their communications are going to be attached to a filing in court. Hopefully yeah. not, but... No, but that happens. You and need that's to be a, prepared for that. You, well, you got to be prepared for that. But keep in mind, if you're not willing to do it, then why are you saying it? Right. Even on the phone, why are you conveying it that way if you're not willing to say it in front of the person or to the judge or on the front page of the paper? Forget, put it in writing. I agree with that 100%. And you should be mindful that anything you put in writing is going to be put before the court. But then why are you, you shouldn't even say it anyway. Exactly. On the phone. There's another, we're lawyers. Our job is to figure out how to convey our position in a manner that others can understand it. So why do we have to get all, you know, our backs up? And listen, I'm not innocent here. I mean, I've, you know, over my career, I've done it. I get it. And there's times when you're heated and you're heated exchange and things happen, but I think through the course of time, you have to realize that that may not be the best interests of your client. And that means maybe I'm not doing the best job as a lawyer if I can't convey in a civil manner, if I can't convey to the other side my position, then maybe I'm just not good and at if, what And I if do. you're on a call and you can't, then say to the person, hey, can you hold on one second and take a deep breath and gather your thoughts and then communicate to them back, yeah. you know, put them on hold for a minute. It's almost the same thing as before you send a hostile email. Yep. You should not send it, but set it aside and just take a deep breath before you send it. Yeah. What do we always say? Like type the email and walk away. Right. If you're angry, if you're incensed, if you're, you know, whatever, what someone else did or posi- type the email, but walk away. And I always, if I do it, I don't put in the two line, right. like who I'm sending it to. I just right. type the email. Yeah. So just in case it you gets hit it, send, you hit send mistake, it doesn't right. go anywhere. Yeah. No, I agree um, with that. Right. That's just to clarify that, just right. so everyone understands. So when you're writing that emotional or hostile email, don't fill in the recipient's information until right. the end. You know, right. Write the email so there's no risk of hitting send by mistake. Yeah, because we've all, we've all made that mistake. Yeah. You hit send and you can't pull back. Yeah. And you and I have a pretty good practice where we have that situation. Oftentimes, I'll just run it by you or or vice versa Mm -hmm. and say, hey, what do you think about this? And usually when I do that, I'm expecting you to say, don't send it or to modify it. And sometimes you go, I like it. It's fine. You know, it's kind of like find that person who you can use as your conscious, as your kazoo from uh, the Flintstones. You know, as somebody. Flintstones. Exactly. As somebody who can be your check on your check and balance on your tone or language. Yeah. And just sit back for a minute and just take a deep breath. Right. You know, and maybe hit send anyway. Right. But those are the hard ones for sure. And listen, in court, sometimes things happen too. And we've seen it recently on TV and some of the trials that are going on. And, you know, judges and lawyers will tangle and lawyers will tangle in court. And it happens in the heat of the moment. But, you know, our communication and conveying our client's position, our position is so important uh, right. to what we do. I mean, that is what we do. Yeah. You I mean, know, we're that's advocates, our job. Right. And so we are, clients hire us to advocate their position in a manner that convinces a third party to decide in their favor. Right. And sometimes the clients, you know, we've talked about this maybe even on other podcasts, but sometimes clients just need to be heard. They need someone to communicate their message because they feel like nobody's hearing them. And sometimes, you know, in those cases, I always like to have the client in the courtroom so they can hear us make their case and they can hear the judge react. And especially, you know, in more challenging cases, and especially in insolvency, we want clients to hear it directly from the judge. 
100% agree. But I took out of that something that I did want to convey in terms of communication. And this always gets lost in communication or discussion on communication, which is everyone thinks communication is the outward expression, right? Whether it's writing or verbal or video or whatever you want to call it. But listening is a huge component to communicating. That's one huge. We have, For sure. My saying around my house is we have, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? We like to listen more than we speak. We should. We should. And nonverbal, facial expressions, body language, things like that can also convey a position that can be a form of communication as well. And I think as one of our recent podcast guests that hasn't come out yet, you know, said in a meeting, if you're sitting in a meeting, whether it be a mediation or a meeting, you know, back in the olden days when we used to actually do things in person and you're speaking or someone else is speaking and you're listening and you're looking around the room as a lawyer, you should be able to look around the room and get a feel perhaps or read nonverbal cues, right? Right. Read the room. And that's a form of communication as well. Yeah. And that's why... I'm looking forward to getting back to being in person. That's one of the reasons why Mm -hmm. I think in-person mediations, in-person court hearings are just better. And I appreciate Zoom or video conferencing as an alternative method. It's better than phone for sure, because at least you can make eye contact with Mm -hmm. the person. Mm -hmm. But you don't get the same verbal cues as you get in person. Yeah. And look, I mean, Zoom is here and I think it's it's good for a lot and good to help the practice. But I agree with you. I think that for some of it in person is just thankfully for we've got video as opposed to just phone. To me, phone hearings are yeah. just impossibly difficult unless it's really a routine ministerial yeah. thing that you're dealing sure. with. But I think to get a sense of the judge, get a sense of the opposing side, to get a sense of the parties generally the people you're dealing with, I, to me, it's in-person is far better. Yeah, and the other side of that is just having in-person court hearings forces the opposing parties to speak and communicate. Right. So when we are in a virtual world where everything is by Zoom, the only way to speak to the other side is one side picking up the phone or, you know, or video conference, however you want to, whatever the verb is there. But when you have to go to court and you actually actually have to physically go to court, you will see that opposing lawyer. So you are forced to communicate with them. And that's where, how many times do we resolve matters? I mean, we yeah. resolve cases in the courthouse, on the steps. Sometimes people aren't as brazen in person as they are in an email. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, we could have a whole podcast topic on email versus phone or video. And I think you and I are both advocates of phone first or video first, phone second, email third. I mean, email is really shit. I think most people fall back to email as their default mode of communication, but it really ought to be the backup. Yeah, and look, certainly email is a good form of communication. It can be, but I agree. I think that verbal communication, face-to-face communication, whether it has to be on video or otherwise, you know, is probably the best method. Yeah. So I want to circle back to something else you said about listening because I think you're right. That is oh, you listen. You heard communication. Exactly. I have two ears and I tried to use both of them. I think part of communication is not only, or an important part is not only the message that you send, but the message that's received. And it's not just hearing because sometimes, you know, and we've seen this, 
you and I can hear somebody else, our producer, Nelson Rosada, say something and we both hear something different. And I've seen it actually in court with clients where we walk out of court and the client's focused on one thing the judge said and they didn't hear anything else. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you missed what was really important. And so we tend to have a, I think a lot of us have a tendency to hear what we want to hear, especially clients. And so it's on us to make sure that the message that was sent is the same one that's received. And that is, to me, oftentimes litigation is a product of that very, that challenge right there where just a miscommunication, a message that was sent is not the same one that was received. Yeah, and that goes to obviously the communication. Again, our job is to convey our position, but to make sure, not just to presume that the other side heard what we, our message. Right. But to confirm right. that we're on the same page. Right. Yeah. I had a lengthy call yesterday on discovery, whatever. And we were talking. And as I was listening, I said, well, hold on. It seems like we are talking past each other on an issue. So can we go back to that? From, and, and we were. Right. But we were completely talking about two different things as if the understanding, like the other side's view was we wanted certain things and I was at my position. I said, I don't understand why the volume is so large. I don't get it. And we started talking, we kept going. And then that's why I put a halt to it. And I said, hang on a second. Can we go back for a minute? Right. Let's start with the premise. And then we ended up sort of on the same page pretty much because you have to listen and make sure. And I was under the impression that the subpoenas and the document requests were very straightforward and we weren't asking for this, but there was a nuance in there. And so... Right. Sometimes the language right. can be is subject to and different we interpretations. Were, thankfully, we were on a video chat and we just hashed it out and hopefully working towards a resolution. But the point is listening and talking, but you have to listen. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's one of the reasons why we favor video and phone over email because there's no inflection or tone. Yes, you can use bold or underline or whatever in, in an email, but it's mm -hmm. not. The words are literal and we can read words. This happens in text all the time with people. And I think I was always resistant to the use of emojis and I've come around. My family has, you know, I'm a dinosaur. And so I'm a little, I now get the use of it because it does allow you to say, hey, I'm joking here. I'm being sarcastic or whatever. But in, in writing in an email, you know, we don't have emojis or colors or themes or anything else to let people know that the language should be read in the manner that we intend. And oftentimes they're not. And we've seen it dozens of times in cases where, the case goes off the rails because somebody sent an email and it was misinterpreted by somebody else. Well, that's a good point. And, you know, I know we're kind of wrapping up this conversation, but sarcasm does not come across well oh, in black and white. No, no. I've seen it go horribly wrong in an email. You better know the other side, whoever you're sending that email to the recipient very, very well. And they better know you very, very well if you're trying to get sarcasm across in an email. It does not work. Right. And joking, too. Same thing. Yeah, joking. And that's why we just, tell clients yeah. in depositions, don't make jokes, don't use sarcasm, because especially in a deposition, it's going to get transcribed and someone's going to be reading it later. And so now this joke that you made, <laughs> it's just words on a piece of paper. Yeah. You know, there's no humor conveyed there at all. None. And things can be taken out of context. Right. So communication, critical whether to do it, how to do it, what to do when you're doing it, all considerations, you know, in our view, honest and open and transparent communication is critical. Better to over-communicate than under-communicate. 
and use both of those years, not just one. As always, well communicated, Jeff. Thank you, Brett. If you enjoyed this podcast, this episode, please give us a review, hopefully five stars. Share it with uh, your friends and family. Follow us. And if you want to reach out to us to be a guest or recommend a guest for the show, please do so at bestamron.com. Thanks. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.